Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Quote Me, a weekly podcast that seeks to encourage, inspire, and lift you up to be all you were created to be. Words are powerful. Recognizing and celebrating the impact they have on our lives can comfort or challenge us, or both at once. I'm your host, Lindsay Schlegel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I hope we can honor the truth, beauty, and goodness of well-chosen language, and so glorify God. Let's begin. My guest today is Leah Jacobson, founder and CEO of the Guiding Star Project. She is also an international board-certified lactation consultant and the author of Holistic Feminism, Healing the Identity Crisis Caused by the Women's Movement, Leah lives in central Minnesota with her husband, Josh, and their seven children. Hello, Leah. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, before we started recording, I was telling you that I edited an article about your book, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. Um, so I knew a little bit about this before, uh, before we met today, and I'm really excited to talk with you about, um, about the work that you're doing and the way that you understand women um, and that you, the way that you see it in the midst of the culture, because our culture is very much confused about that. Um, that was a good article that you edited. Thank you for editing. You didn't that write article. it. I just made sure the commas were in the right spots. Um, so your quote today is from Edmund Burke. Um, although you say this attribution is contested, that happens very often. Uh, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil, triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So tell us a little about where that came from and how that how that quote works into what you're doing now. It's funny. It's almost an embarrassing quote to share because <laughs> it almost feels a little cliche. Like I saw that quote for the first time as a junior in high school. I was in 11th grade and my, um, my very kind of, uh, I don't know the best way to describe this teacher. My teacher, he was a bit of a, a throwback to the seventies, uh, maybe a hippie. <laughs> and he had this quote painted on the wall of his classroom. He, he was my psychology teacher in high school. And I remember reading it and it just really struck me at that moment of, yeah, th this is a spiritual battle all around us all the time. Like we are in a spiritual world, even though we don't see it. And there's a battle of, of good versus evil. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is if good does nothing. And so it, it really, really resonated, I think, with my personality type. I've come to learn, you know, through all these inventories and strengths finders and discs and spiritual uh, gifts that I'm a very action oriented person. And so it was kind of just that permission to take action. Like 
you know, I think our world sometimes, especially young women, it's almost this idea of like, well, who do you think you are? Like, who are you to do something? And I recognized and realized that if I don't do something, evil can triumph. Like I'm a good person. <laughs> so I need to do something. So it, it really kind of at that point gave me permission to take action in our world, even though I didn't feel qualified or feel like I should. I, I felt the imperative and almost like the call from Edmund Burke <laughs> to do something. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we see a lot in our world now with, um, I think virtual sig virtue signaling, um, I did some research on this. It was, it's only been a term since 2015. I'm sure it was happening before then. Um, yeah. But there is, I think there's always been kind of a tendency to complain about something and not do anything about it. But now sure. that's even more of a thing that some, I think sometimes people feel that complaining about it is like building awareness and thus that's doing something about a problem, but it's really not, that's not actually yeah, I think that just complaining. That's the antithesis. Like that's the opposite of my personality. Like I have not, like, I won't even sell some, I won't even say that it's really, really bothering me. And then I'll just be like, dang it, I'm going to form a nonprofit. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I've done that a number of times. And it's, it's kind of funny. Like I actually just founded another totally unrelated nonprofit this summer, you know, because in my local community, there was just some issues with our city planning and zoning. And so I formed another nonprofit. And I just, I find that, you know, taking action like with action comes clarity with action comes, you know, people all of a sudden awakening and seeing an issue because you can talk about an issue till you're blue, but until someone's doing something, until it affects them, until it's right in front of them, they're not going to pay attention. They're just going to have a vague awareness of it. And they're not going to understand it until somebody takes action. So I, I tend also, to take action pretty quickly. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, there's this disconnect though, between I, I know I should be taking action and I'm not sure what that action is, or I don't have the courage to go do it, but it sounds like yeah. you go from one thing to the other more naturally than maybe. Um, and the biggest person. hurdle, I think the biggest hurdle to all of that was fear of failure. You know, when yes. you're afraid that you're going to like look stupid or that you're going to fail and, and it's a, it's pride, you know, it's an attack upon our pride of like, what is my identity? Am I somebody who started something and it failed? Or is it, I'm somebody who started something. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's the important part of this is that you take action and you know, the God doesn't ask us to be successful. You know, this is a mother Teresa quote, which is also probably my backup quote <laughs> to the first one. <laughs> you know, if you have to take action is the first one, but the second one is he doesn't ask you to be successful. He asks you to be faithful. And if he's calling you to act, the success is not dependent upon you. You know, God will provide, you know, what you need, what, if he wants you to be successful, it will be, you just faithfully do the work. And he may say, okay, time to shut this thing down and having an okay disposition towards that. That has been the hardest challenge for me. Definitely. Is that fear of, oh, it didn't work. Like now I look stupid yes. or something. There's another one by Mother Teresa that I love. I don't know if I'll get this exactly right, but um, something like we have an obligation to tell the truth, but not to convince anybody. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. So now we're like quote throwing. This is amazing. <laughs> so that goes right along with St. Augustine where he has, you know, the truth is like a lion all you do is let it go and it will defend itself. Like you release the truth and it will defend itself. It's a lion. I've never, and so I'm like, that one heck before yeah. I love it. I love that one. St. Augustine. Augustine is a, his feast day is my birthday. So that is awesome. Got a little something special going on with St. Augustine. I like him too. That's beautiful. Um, so, okay. So, so you knew you wanted to take action in 11th grade and then where you are now, I'm sure there was lots of stuff that uh, pushed you along the way, but 
what in particular about the women's movement, women's movement, I think there's, there's a lot of things that we could say are problematic in the way yeah. uh, feminism functions, feminism, quote unquote, functions in our, in our culture and particularly in our country. But what, what particularly got to you? Um, I have a toddler here at my door, just so you know. <laughs> there might be a little woman that walks into this interview, which is okay. <laughs> welcome, little lady. You are more than welcome. She's a future. Start him young. Future of the women's movement. I'm walking right in right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, the reality of being a, a working mom and a yeah. CEO at this moment in time. Um, and that actually is kind of what has been wrong with the women's movement, honestly. So it was as I became a mom and as I was working for the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, my husband, Josh, and I, we lived at the Newman House at UMD in Duluth. And we had our first two children while we were working in campus ministry. And the church was a generally friendly place for me to be working, you know, and have a baby and, and be doing life. But it was on the university campus. I'm so sorry. Um, it was on the campus setting where I just, I realized and recognized that as women, our success is dependent upon us not being mothers. They don't accept you readily with your fertility and with your babies and all of that intact. Um, and that's where it really started to kind of irk me. I saw the women's movement didn't really love women's fertility and our pregnancies and our childbearing, and it wasn't making room for our bodies. Um, and that became a, a strong passion and pushed me towards act, action um, when I became a mother. It's that thing that, you know, with action comes clarity. Had I never been a mother, I probably wouldn't have realized the severity of this problem and the depth of this problem. Right, right. And that so speaks to that hashtag a few, I don't know, years ago, babies and dreams, right? Like, like I think the same thing that having children for me didn't slow me down. It changed things and it put me in a different place than I might have been otherwise. Um, but it, it's who I was called to be. So of course that has to be part of everything else that I'm doing. And everything else is part of the way I'm being a mom too. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with like, you know, the book with this movement, holistic feminism is this idea that you women need to be whole. You cannot compartmentalize your identity. And I think that the women's movement in the past has really, it truly has created an identity crisis for women where you're not an employee and a mother. You're an employee when you're at work and then your kids have nothing to do with it. Um, and we've not sought that sort of integration that women need to be happy and healthy. We've, we've said you're either or not both and. Yeah. 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 And for, for those who are listening and haven't popped into the show notes, show notes. Yes. Yet. Um, the title is holistic feminism, holistic with a W H, not just an H. So you're looking at. It's important. It's important. Cause it's yeah. not like Eastern medicine holistic. It's, it's the, like, who are you fully, like your whole identity. Yes. And, you know, right now I'm giving you a glimpse of my full identity because we're doing an interview and I have a toddler in the background. Like I am a mom, I'm a CEO, I'm a lactation consultant, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, but first and foremost, I'm a mom. And oftentimes my family ends up in all of those other places that I'm showing up. <laughs> they show up in my daily life all the time. They show up in interviews evidently. So. Okay. So you started this nonprofit and then others too. What does that process look like? I, yeah, the first nonprofit I started, I think it was kind of accidental. I didn't even realize what I was doing. <laughs> like, I was just like, let's all get together and talk about this problem. We're going to fix this problem. And that, so it started in Duluth, Duluth, Minnesota. I think I had two babies at the time. Oh my gosh, my baby is so loud. I'm so sorry. I'm Esther, 
She's reading a story in my office oh, right behind me. I'm so sorry. Um, the quote for the next episode. It's fine. It's oh fine. gosh, Esther. Next She's week, fine. Esther Jacobson. Esther Jacobson is going to be on the next episode. She'll be undoubtedly wonderful. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, I didn't have the background in business or even like nonprofit management to even understand what was happening very organically. It turns out that I happened to maybe have a natural skill in like community organizing, which is great. Like, I think that came out of campus ministry, getting students involved, getting leadership teams formed of students, you know, activating them to do the campus ministry program. It actually translated very well into community activism and pulling people together and saying, here is a problem. And the problem that I was articulating and identifying at that point in time was there is a gap between the pro-life movement that claims to you know, really support mothers and child, children, childbirth, um, unplanned pregnancies, women trying to attain their higher educations, um, and the women's healthcare system. They're kind of at odds with one another in many ways. It's very difficult. There's not a lot of coordination. There's, there's different definitions of what is good and healthy for women. You know, you have a college-age woman in an unplanned pregnancy, and the pro-life movement is going to say, you can do it, like, you know, have this baby, get your education. But then as soon as she is put into the healthcare system, as soon as she goes for that first, you know, prenatal checkup or exam, she's going to just be inundated with doubt about, like, this is not a good thing for you right now. Like, you're, you don't have the support system necessary. Um, and she may have a very healthy pregnancy, a very healthy body, but the healthcare system has almost become a little bit um, idealized or politicized in such a way that it, it almost persuades women from having an unplanned pregnancy because it has this notion of, you know, a perfect pregnancy or perfect timing, or um, it, it paints a, a picture that's very difficult for women to ever really attain. You're never going to feel completely ready you know, an unplanned pregnancy is still a beautiful gift and your body is doing something amazing versus the medical standard or, or maybe the, you know, it's a political standard. It's an ideological standard that um, every pregnancy should be perfectly planned and perfectly, you know, prepared for and all your ducks need to be in a row before it's going to work. And I just don't think that's true. And so that was the problem that I was kind of articulating at first. And it was also recognizing the women I worked with on campus really didn't have an understanding of their bodies. They didn't understand their fertility. They didn't understand pregnancy. You had a health class in fifth grade that tells you like you watch Julie's story or something, right? Yes. Yes. And then good luck. That's it. See when you're pregnant or you, or when you're trying to get pregnant and you can't. And that's the ridiculous nature that's of this whole thing is that, you know, we're given zero information as young women. Our moms don't know how to talk about it. Our grandmas don't know how to talk about it. They have, they're all uncomfortable. This conversation. And I think a lot of them don't have the information. They, I mean, my mom, like her doctor told her the rhythm method. That was it. Well, and what if this, that rhythm doesn't work for your body. Problem, and this is where that problem with healthcare comes in is because the doctors using their voice of authority and expertise are instilling doubt in women when they say, oh, I'm going to use natural fertility methods. The first thing they say is like, well, we'll see you in a couple of months. You'll be pregnant. You know, like they're just very condescending oftentimes towards women's knowledge of themselves. And they downplay the actual scientific advancements of, you know, fertility awareness methods of natural childbirth and its effects of, you know, breastfeeding rates, all these things that women, you know, have the right to know and understand our healthcare community doesn't understand it either. Yes. And so all of these ideas were kind of converging as a young mom, as I'm having my babies, as I'm working as a campus minister and talking with young women and hearing 
their own doubts and their own shame and their own like disbelief in their body, um, that it, that's what spurred me to action. Said so something has to be done. We need to reimagine healthcare. Uh, and so it was not just like a little vision of like, well, let's just start getting, you know, girls educated on fertility care. That's a piece of it. But really the vision of this is big. And, and I knew it right at the point in time where it first kind of came in prayer. This is a lifetime commitment to this vision because it's revolutionizing the whole norm of women's health care. Yeah. And the more and more people who are finding it, we were talking a little bit about natural womanhood before we started uh, recording, um, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. There's people are finding natural family planning, not just because they're Catholic or because their faith is behind it, but because of the other part of who they are, because they're bodies and they want to be well. Well, and there's such amazing stuff coming out. I don't know if you're familiar with, you know, the business of birth control, the new documentary. I just watched that the other day. It is so good. It's so good. It's totally not pro-life. It's not faithful. It's not Catholic, but it's women that are coming to the conclusion that hmm, somebody is benefiting off of us not knowing how our bodies work. There's big business involved. There's pharmaceutical companies. There's, you know, medical practices. There's, there's somebody benefiting from us not understanding our bodies and it's not us. We're not benefiting. Right. Um, we've only got a couple more minutes, um, but for people who are listening to this um, in the week that it comes out, um, you will be at the March for Life um, on Friday. Can you tell us about what I've, I've never been? Tell me what, what it will be like, what, what your involvement is there. Yeah, I've been to the March for Life several times, and it's, I think it's important for, you know, the work that I'm doing with Guiding Star to be connected to the pro-life movement, because I think the pro-life movement has been like on the front lines for 40 plus years, saying the very obvious truth, you know, abortion is not in women's best health, like it's not in our best interest to give abortion as a solution to real deep societal problems. Uh, The pro-life movement has understood that. We take a little bit of a different focus in scientific guiding style. We focus on the issue from the medical standpoint of, you know, we were, there's really a problem in the delivery of women's healthcare right now. And there's a lot of lies out there, but the pro-life movement is a wonderful ally for us to help women understand the goodness. Like you are not a mistake. Like there's nothing wrong with your fertility and a culture and a society that says, you know, altering, suppressing and destroying your natural body is a good solution. Like that's misogyny. That is the opposite of what a true women's movement should, should say and what it should espouse. And I see more alignment with the March for life and the people there defending women's bodily autonomy than I do at the women's March. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's words. It sounds like there's words in one and I'm guessing it's words in both, but the actions of one are, they don't match. Yeah. 100%. Like if you truly have a love for women, if you truly have women as the main recipient of your movement, of your activism at the forefront, you're going to see people focusing on our terrible mortality rates among mothers. (laughs) You're going to see people focusing on the fact that we have terrible breastfeeding rates across the South. Uh, We're going to be looking at the disparities between, you know, white women and black women and their outcomes in pregnancy. Like there are real women's health issues here that are totally ignored by the women's movement. Um, and the pro-life movement is still not there either. They're focused on, you know, ending abortion. They're not so focused on women's health care, but they at least have the base understanding that women's bodies are not the problem. <laughs> right, 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 right. And the rest of it will come from there. It will, it yeah. will. Beautiful. Well, we've got to wrap it up there, but um, we're going to link to your book in the show notes um, and to, um, to Guiding Star. Um, And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for spending some time with me today. 
Thanks. I, I'm so sorry. Esther's here. She's still making noise. She's saying goodbye. I can hear. <laughs> Bye, Esther. Reality. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next season. Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> Thanks, Leah. Uh, as always, listeners, to suggest a quote or a guest, follow the show on Instagram, quote me underscore podcast, or contact me at my website, lindsayschlegel.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review wherever you find your shows, and tell a friend. Until next time, God bless you.